Dude, him and his wife need to do some better family planning. What the heck, man? You're <laughs> having your baby during the Tour de France? What? Yeah. yeah, they should have timed that out. December kids only. Actually, no, because then it's crossies. So, yeah, they really got a smaller window then. No, they need, like, Wout needs to have a, uh, uh, like, a February kid. That's Worlds, man. All right, March? And then, and then it's right into <laughs> classic season. <laughs> Just really no more kids, I guess. Okay, but come on. Tour de France, like that's when you're going to have your kid? What is up, party people? We've got another banger extended episode for y'all this week as we're trying to work our way through this massive backlog of questions y'all have sent in. Again, there's some crusher in the Tusher preview, a little bit of tour talk, and a bunch and bunch and bunch of listener question banter. So, if you have any questions or feedback for the show, hit us up at bonkbrospodcast at gmail.com or give us a shout on the socials. Also, if you're looking to get your hands on some Bonkbros merch, check out the links in the show notes. All right, let's get this party started. So, what are you doing? You're on the East Coast? Well, it turns out Michigan is in East Coast time zone and uh, kind of forgot where I was this morning when I woke up. That's why <laughs> I was like, it's like sitting on the nice. sitting on the the meeting and I'm like man when are these guys gonna show up we said 9 30 eastern <laughs> and then i remembered i was in eastern time <laughs> did you like just get yeah. to michigan no i've been here for like two weeks i just forgot that <laughs> <laughs> two weeks <laughs> what dang yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's how wow. my day's going so far <laughs> nice nice yeah. dude Adam already got out for a ride. Early bird, man. Holy crap. Yeah, I know. And I'm Adam, on Central like time, Oso too. And, yeah, jeez. Making us feel bad. Was that, the, uh, was that the drop bar mountain bike that you were on? Yep, it was. It's like my favorite bike now. You just that's just your, that's yeah. just your go-to bike now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, like... I mean, I guess it's, it's awesome kind of cool because cool you can ride literally anything on it. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's good trail riding here, but then there's also, like, really good road riding. So... Yeah, it's like it's like perfect. Yeah, nice. Yeah, um, I'm uh, I'm considering riding that bike for Crusher. Although Crusher is a lot less gnarly a race than Bighorn just was. Bighorn, I felt like it was a no brainer. Crusher, it's it's quite a brainer. I'm giving my brain an aneurysm trying to think about it. As I does, do with uh, a lot of races. Does your does your mountain bike have better like uphill gearing? Yeah. yeah it does so my mount my my mountain bike has uh 42 tooth chainring and then um an eagle 10 to 52 tooth cassette and then on my on my gravel bike the the i switched quite a few things out since unbound so at unbound i had 50 a 52 tooth big ring and a 36 tooth small ring and then 11 to 34 tooth cassette and i've since because of Crusher, I've since switched that out to a 50-tooth big ring, 34-tooth small ring, and then an 11 to 40-tooth cassette. So it's it's not that it's not bad. Honestly, the gearing on both bikes would probably be fine. So you have a 34-40 is your small yeah. gear. Yeah, and then I guess okay. the small gear on the so other mean. small gear on the other bike is 42-52. So I don't know. We'd have to do some math to determine. Yeah. Which is, one has the one lower bike, gear? But which bike's lighter? The gravel bike. The gravel bike's like nineteen pounds, and then the drop bar mountain bike, I think, is like over 20, 20 something pounds. Mm. 
it's not a big difference. Um, but so that right there, you might think it's like obvious that for Crusher, you just choose the lighter bike because it's a climbing race. But I think that, I think that a lot of people overlook rolling resistance. And I, I think that if you like, for example, I think Josh Portner has done some calculations, maybe not Josh Portner, maybe somebody else, but I don't know where I saw this, that even though tubular tires are lighter or tubular tires and rim combination is lighter pretty significantly by like 200 grams. Um, because the newest generation of tubeless road tires is so has so much lower rolling resistance. It's actually more beneficial even for a climbing stage to go with the tubeless setup. Hmm. Like the, the improved rolling resistance makes up for the fact that they're 200 grams heavier. So what about, what if, what if, what if you run those like run flat inserts? Does that, cause that, that affects rolling resistance, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, slightly. Like mm. what, which inserts are you talking about specifically? Like the Vittoria ones Tannis, that they say the you can ones. just ride even when it's completely flat. <laughs> Tan. <laughs> um, yeah. So those, those do shrink down when they're in there. Um, I don't know. I'd have to see some testing to see how much those affect rolling resistance. Um, okay. But yeah, th- theoretically having an insert in there should affect the rolling resistance a little bit. Cause, cause that's still an argument by a lot of like world tour teams. It seems like is like, if you run tubulars, you can still at least roll flat for a while until you get a new wheel. Yeah. I'm just going to put this out, out there. Like back when I was a kid and I didn't care about my equipment, I totally got flats and I just, I just like, I would get a flat and not carry a tube. And then I would just ride like 10 miles on a flat tire (laughs) with like, a tube in it. I didn't have tubulars. I was like a 15 year old kid. <laughs> so I mean, like I, only, I mean, the advantage with tubulars is like the tire isn't going to, the likelihood of the tire just like peeling off the rim is limited. Right. Whereas if you have a clincher or a tubeless tire, like, you know, or a particularly a clincher tire, if you get a flat that, that bead could just come off and that's a bigger disaster than, you know, a tubular tire, mm-hmm. which is glued on there hopefully really well and not, not moving as you roll. So, yeah, I don't, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't really think that's a very, like a very good argument. If you get a flat tire, whether yeah. you're on tubeless or tubulars, you need a new wheel as soon as possible. Like I get you, I get it. If the team car is kind of far away and it's going to take them like five minutes to get to you, I guess you could keep rolling a little bit better on a tubular, but you can also keep rolling on a tubeless that's flat. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, for yeah, sure. And I, I just thought just about it too. Like if you're mindset. if you're running the the run flat, then like you're making it harder for your team car to get up to you. So like you'd maybe be better off just stopping. Asking your um, teammate Drew for a wheel, you know, if he's there. <laughs> oh, dude, that's you know, this is this is actually that actually brings up something interesting. So you know how I guess this was a con- I didn't realize that this was a controversy, but I think it was um and I think somebody actually asked a question about it and we had no idea. Uh, so Howard Gratz gave his wheel to Russell Finsterwald at unbound. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if there was an explicit rule about it or not, but lifetime just sent us an email saying that for, at least for crusher, I don't know about for the other races, but at least for crusher, it is, it is a rule that you, you can, you cannot receive, 
any equipment from fellow riders. You have to finish the race on the same bike and equipment that you started on, which I'm assuming the reason why they're telling us that rule explicitly here in an email is because they don't want people giving their wheels to fellow riders out there. Like what happened at Unbound. That happened at Leadville last year too. Finsty took a wheel from Sophia. Yeah. Finsty, man. That guy's just controversy taco. (laughs) Way to go, wrestling. Yeah, well, it's it doesn't surprise me that he is like blowing up wheels and stuff. He is such a good downhiller. Um, he, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I think it, I think it unbound. It's like definitely not worth the risk to just send it on any downhills. But um, I'm pretty sure that he has the KOM on the Columbine descent, and he didn't. He got the KOM on the Columbine descent during the race. And anybody who's done Leadville knows how insane that that sentence that I just said is because it means that he's passing hundreds of riders going up while he's taking the fastest time down it that's ever occurred. Well, um, guess he better keep his shit in line than here in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. You guys have, uh, you guys have predictions for crusher. Who's the, who's the best climber and best altitude specialist. <laughs> I feel like Howard. I mean, you mentioned Howard. Like yes. that dude's... same same guy as always. <laughs> oh, yeah. Never mind. Same I forgot guy about as King. always. Yeah, that's true. You forgot about. You forgot. <laughs> so it's a day. So I was I was looking back. I was looking back over the results last night of last year's Crusher. Keegan won this race by over ten minutes last year. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. Like, where um, did he make his time? Did he just like nuke the descent into the valley, or did he just out climb everybody all the way back up? I think all of the above. I mean, I wasn't there to witness it, but (laughs) that race is, that race is hard, man. I mean that like, I think, you know, thinking about how much climbing you have to do in that race, like from the gun, you're just going up. And I think the only flat part is once you descend into the Valley there and do that little lollipop route and then everything. Yeah. It's about, it's about, there's like a 20 minute road section that's flat and then everything else is, you're either, you're going uphill or downhill. Yeah. Um, and at altitude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Keegan would be a safe bet, but I, I think that Howard would also be, uh, if you were betting on Howard, that wouldn't be the worst bet in the world. I mean, Howard is an altitude climbing guy. Yeah. I might put a hey, Dylan, bet on him at to, Big to Horn, show. At Bighorn, how much did Howie beat Bruner by? Uh, I think like three or four minutes. Okay. I don't think yeah. that's enough to take down Keegan. Yeah, Howard Howard was actually only five minutes ahead of me at uh, Bighorn. Oh, sorry, sorry, Dylan. I don't think you're going to be five minutes behind Keegan. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Think, I mean, no, no one, no one was, no one was in within five minutes of Keegan last year. So, <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. Yeah. How for do, sure. Um. How do we think friend of the friend of the show, former guest Matt Beers is going to do? He seems like he's been crushing it the last couple of weeks out in. Out in Utah as well, training with training with Keegan, winning some gravel races in in Tahoe. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say that if he if he has a good day, um, he could definitely be on the podium. I don't think that he can give Keegan a run for his money when it's an altitude climbing race. Um, I mean, I you know he could he could shock me this weekend, but I I just Keegan Keegan has lived his whole life at altitude, and he's. He's lightweight. He's a good climber, 
and he absolutely dominated this race last year. Um, I think Matt Beers has a chance of being on the podium. I don't think he, I don't think if Keegan's on a good day or not even a good day, just his normal every day when he races, uh, the, Keegan day. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Matt, I don't think Matt Beers has it for, has it for Keegan at Crusher. I think at a, at a different race, like possibly, I don't know, like if he had actually been at Sea Otter maybe, but I don't think at Crusher. Yeah. I think I got some faith in him to do well. Yeah. I think, um, I think Finsty would have a better chance than, than Matt yeah. Beers. Don't worry, Matt. I'm in your Finsty corner. was I Finsty was actually out I think Finsty was actually outside of the top ten last year here at Crusher. Is that because he didn't get a wheel from somebody or <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you um what do you guys think on the women's side? I mean, I guess Sophia's been looking really strong. Um so doesn't Sophia also currently live in Utah with Keegan? So she's probably used to the altitude. Um, last year it was Haley Smith. I mean, that'd probably be a good bet as well. Um, yeah. Is everybody from the is everybody from the uh, Lifetime Grand Prix rocking up to this one? Because you guys can drop like three out of five races now. Well, no, dude. Our uh, friend of the podcast, Carrie, is uh, saying screw screw Beaver and going to um, uh, mountain bike nationals. Yeah, that's true. Instead, he's trying. And to I wonder. I actually person that wins this year. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, although I do think that I I think that Blevins will be at Mountain Bike Nationals. So you know, um, but it would it would be Dude, cool to see. What if, what if Keegan just said like screw it and he was going to drop uh, Crusher and just went to Mountain? I mean, Bike he could instead. easily do that. Like he doesn't need to be. He doesn't need to do all all of them, but it it I feel like it's probably hard for him to justify that because uh, Beaver is the closest Grand Prix race to his house versus he traveling all the way to the East Coast um, to win a national championship that he's already already won. Like he already has that jersey, uh, so yeah. And again, he's already won the Grand Prix too, so. I, I do he, I do wonder yeah. like what Keegan's aspirations are like is he if he's interested in trying for Paris 2024 at all like not that not to say that maybe I don't know when's the when's the race Sunday maybe he just catches a flight on Saturday and uh flies out to Pennsylvania but I am kind of curious to see if like that's the one thing I know that he was going for the last time around and um mm-hmm. that kind of I think was a fueling his fire of, of dominance, the era of Keegan Swenson when he was, you know, didn't make the Olympic team and then just went on to win everything in the country that he entered. So, so if he, yeah, that's a good question. If he ends up winning the grand prix again and not only winning it, but absolutely dominating it like he did last year. Um, like, like he already is, right? Like now. he already is. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So is he, you know, like at what point, at what point do you say, cause the Grand Prix is not the, you know, I mean, it's the pinnacle of off-road racing in the U S but there, there, are, you know, there's higher competition out there. At what point do you say like, okay, this is a little bit sandbagging. <laughs> you know? I mean, dude, I, I was at migration. I was talking to some of like the internationals and it was kind of comical to hear their take on it. Like 
in their mind, like even though the lifetime is this huge thing in the U.S., like in their mind, it's still like far inferior to like anything they're doing in, in Europe. Like they're even saying, like they're talking about how like the UCI Grand Prix or whatever you know the whatever they the UCI World Cup gravel whatever mm-hmm. that series is. I don't even know what mm-hmm. it is, but like they're saying those races are more competitive than the Lifetime Grand Prix. Um. Okay. Maybe the Europe. I mean, I've never. It could just be like a Euro take on it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just it was just kind of interesting to hear them. Like, like not too many of them have any aspirations to like try and be in like the lifetime Grand Prix. Gotcha. So I haven't done one of those European gravel World Cup races, but what I will say is that you know some of some U.S. riders have gone to do those those World Cup races, and um. You know, it's not like it's not like a rider that would get fifth in a Grand Prix race gets like 40th at one of those World Cup races. It's actually pretty, in my opinion, it seems. Yeah. Didn't Finsty get second? Yeah, exactly. He went over. Exactly. And Finsty getting second at a Grand Prix race is like expected for him, you know? Um, yeah. so it's not. I This this wasn't my take. This again, this is this is the European take. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 So uh, I would probably I would probably challenge that and say that you know yeah, uh, if anything they're probably probably equally competitive and some of these world like some of the World Cup race World Cup gravel races that have happened in the U.S. have been very sparsely attended and are not competitive. Yeah, and and it could be too that like maybe for them in Europe the 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 UCI World Cup gravel races are like more valuable to their sponsors relative mm-hmm. to like the lifetime grand prix but in the u.s like for sure it's like if you're a sponsored rider like being in the lifetime grand prix is about as like value creating as you can get yeah yeah i mean i i you know i i don't know does keegan like try to do you you think that marathon like the marathon mountain bike world cup would be like a next step for him because it does seem it does seem like cross-country world cup like Maybe. world world champs you mean well they have don't i uh, tell me if i'm wrong here but they have marathon mountain bike world cups i'll verify I'm that pretty sure quick. oh I, <laughs> I i've never i've never heard of that i mean he did uh he did i know uh, they have marathon the world champs, champs but I, I don't know about world mm-hmm. cups yeah wasn't it like two years ago that he went and did the the world champs yeah yeah i think he got what he got in the top 10 right i think he was like seventh yeah 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 uh, let's see. yeah yeah, it it does seem so, you know, um, I've said this and other people have said this, like he needs to give uh, World Cup, you know, Olympic cross country racing another shot. And I think that the point like the point has been made that his physiology is probably better for longer uh, Grand Prix style races as opposed to hour and a half mountain bike races. Um at least it seems that way because back when he was trying to do World Cups, I don't think he was as fast as he is now, but, you know, he wasn't a top contender. No. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't find – I'm having trouble finding something that's like uh, – I'm sure there is that the UCI website is not ide- less than ideal, but I'm trying I mean, to there, find there's some like – there's UCI marathon champion – or UCI marathon races, but I don't think right. – I've never heard of UCI World Cups. Yeah, I don't, that's that's what I was looking for. Is is do they have a World Cup series for the endurance for the endurance side of things? I mean, I know like, but Cape you have something like Cape Epic, which but that's not necessarily sponsored by the UCI. Just has a UCI um, 
program. But yeah, I don't see anything on here. So, hmm. Hmm. well, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, hold on. Actually, I did. Sorry. Uh, there is a world marathon world cup. Let's see if there's a, let's see what races are included here. It looks like they have, uh, like Nova Mesto was around, uh, they have a round at snowshoe, uh, Boom. French, Italian, uh, yeah, Italian. Yeah. There's like four rounds here. Four rounds total. Yep. That's what they have yeah, listed so. on the, on the UCI. So Mount is it Michael just like an additional website. race that's part of the world's cup weekend? Yeah, so you know how if you like, if you go on, I guess what is it now, GCN, and you're trying to find, you know, what races are happening, like this Nova Mesto race, they have the XCO, the XCC, which is short track, and then they have XCM, which is cross country marathon, um, mm-hmm. and it kind of is the same. So like this, the next round was in Italy, and that was just a marathon in enduro. Uh, this one in France is XCO, XCC, marathon, downhill, and enduro, and then snowshoe is. <clears throat> XEO, X, uh, short track marathon and downhill. So how cool would it be if every We're, single round of the, of the mountain bike world cup had short track cross country and a marathon race. And they actually covered the marathon race. That'd be pretty sweet. Be pretty sweet. I mean, I think like, uh, it's definitely, well, you got some highlights here. I got, you can investigate this a little further later, but, um, I remember trying to watch some of the, some of the world championships when Keegan was competing. And I mean, it seemed, it seemed interesting. I only caught like kind of the tail end, maybe the last like 10, 20 K, but I'm Mm -hmm. sure it's kind of like watching a tour stage, right? Like it's, it's hard to keep up, hard to have things to chat about when you have a drone, a drone video from 150 feet in the air and Mm -hmm. (laughs) hard to see who's who. And And it was long too. Like, like marathon worlds is like, like I think his finish time was like seven hours. Yeah, that's what a marathon mountain bike race should be. The, <laughs> dude, the USA Cycling Marathon I know, I, I, I agree. mountain bike race is a joke. It's like a freaking two and a half hour race. It's up my alley. That's my yeah. kind of marathon. <laughs> and, and I'm assuming that's what these like XCM uh, World Cups are. Like, I'm, I'm sure yeah. it's not seven hours. Maybe Let's double see. XCO. I'm gonna try to. I'll try to pull this up. Hold, please. Also, where does XCC come from? Like, what does the C stand for? It's probably know. French. Yeah, that was my thought too. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. So in the last round, let's see, we have the elite men finish time was almost five hours, four hours and 44 minutes. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's proper. I mean, if they're going to call it, if they're going to so call it a hundred like K then. Yeah. If they're yeah. going to call it a, like a world cup level marathon mountain bike race, I'd assume that they would do it right. You know, unlike USA cycling. Hmm. Yeah, they might know a little bit thing or two about World Cup mountain biking in Europe. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. If if USA Cycling just put their national championships like one week later, probably all of the hitters would have showed up. I mean, I know we already talked about this on the podcast, but it still blows my mind that they botched that. I mean, it's. Uh, I think it happens in every discipline where you have like, how do you get these promoters to? not schedule over top of each other. I mean, I, I complain about Mm -hmm. it all the time. Like in Arkansas, it seems to be that there's all the events that happen in April and May. And then it's like September or October. It's just like the timeframe that people schedule everything for. So it's, you know, multiple things happening in the same region on the same timeframe. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. sure there's, there's other aspects, but yeah, you would think like USA cycling would have the awareness to like, 
you know, <laughs> look at the Lifetime Grand Prix and see like, hey, if we want the best athletes there, uh, yeah, maybe we should move this. Yeah. So, so Marathon Worlds is August third in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Does that conflict with uh, Grand Prix? Race? Goal? Does that no? Con- it's um no. Leadville is like the twelfth or whatever. Is he going to be on the Road World yeah. Championship squad again? I assume no. Because <laughs> uh, this year, so this year they're doing all of the World Championships are in Glasgow, and this is going to be like a mm-hmm. the start of a four year. Oh, that's right. I think it's like four year cycle where they do basically all the world championships. So the, you know, the big talking point is Vanderpool is going to try to do road worlds and mountain bike worlds. And they're like six or 12 days apart, um, which should be pretty interesting. But yeah, I mean, you know, if I'm sure if Keegan was going over there for road worlds or something like that, are they doing gravel worlds at the same time? Maybe he'll be there and just decide to bring the mountain bike as well. No, that's weird because Gravel Worlds isn't until like the end of September or something. Mm. So how did how did they get around this? Well, I mean, Cyclocross Worlds isn't until February of next year, so it's uh, yeah, only true. some of the <laughs> only true. some of the summer summer disciplines. I think. Let's see, BMX Grand Fondo. I World. think. It, what is Gravel's not a summer discipline? Well, you know, I don't know. That seems like a convenient <laughs> scapegoat. <laughs> Gravel's just got a. Yeah. Gravel is a year. If you go by the the U.S. calendar, gravel is a year round discipline. Dude, I'm I'm going to be honest. I still don't understand. I've I've never done a Grand Fondo, and I still don't quite understand. Like, why is there a, a I, is is it a fun race or or a fun ride or is it a race? I have I have no idea. Maybe someone could write in and tell us why uh, what the deal is with Grand Fondos. I too have never understood it. If like, I've always thought of it. It's like it's like an enduro for road racing. Yeah, like so. There's timed like, it's up on the road, and they only they only time sections. certain segments. Okay, I don't know if it's all uphill segments, but it's like yeah, you know, like let's say you ride 120 miles, only like 30 miles are timed. So no, no offense to people who like Grand Fondos and who's currently training for Grand Fondos, but when I think of a Grand Fondo rider, like. I don't think of somebody who would ever do like a world championship race or even a national championship race. Like the fact that there's a national championship and a world championship for this supposed discipline. Dude, maybe I should go there now. Maybe that's how I win a a (laughs) national championship is the 35 to 36 year olds age division grand fondo nationals. (laughs) Yeah, man. The Pisces division. So marathon, marathon world is, is, what day is that? Okay, it's actually August sixth, mm-hmm. and then cross country. I, I mean, like I that's August that seems 8th. like uh, that seems like a no brainer for Keegan. I think the only thing the only thing is that if he was worried that it would mess up his acclimation for Leadville, you know, having to be at a low elevation for probably a week leading into that race, which would also be a week that he's not at high elevation for Leadville. Dude, that'd be awesome though because it would make Leadville so much more like competitive. How many how many weeks before Leadville is it? It's the, like the week days. before. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I mean Saturday. that's pr- yeah. So if you're trying to be really well altitude acclimated for Leadville, that's pretty horrible timing. I mean, he could still easily do Leadville and probably still do very well, but um, you know, I mean, he also won by 15 minutes last year, so maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe you guys should try harder. You guys thought about that? <laughs> we work together or something like that. Um, yeah, I think I doubt that. So 15 he, minutes is like, like just looking is at like the time 4%. Frame. 
four percent of the race, like yeah. of the total race time. Mm-hmm. Do you just so do you, that in your head, or you a human calculator? Something, Freaking yeah, sure. Will hunting um, right here. <laughs> so, like, do do you think that do you think that it would affect him by more than four percent? I think no. you got to think about the jet lag. I don't, I don't think it's as much about the altitude as it is the jet lag of going whatever eight time zones over from from mountain time to ride for a day. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to have to acclimate yeah, it's there seven hours and ahead. backward unless you just stay on a shit schedule. So yeah, yeah I doubt that it's on his, uh, yeah, his agenda good, this year. That's a good point. Also, I wonder how much he cares about uh, breaking the course record. You know, he was pretty close last year. I wonder because because the tactic of breaking the course record is a different tactic than I want to win this race. Because if he's like if he goes into the race saying I want to break the course record, he's probably going to be pulling a lot in the first half of the race, and there's going to be a lot of guys sitting on his wheel. Whereas if he was just trying to win the race, he'd be a little bit more tactical about it. I feel like we did you ever the same tactic regardless. <laughs> did 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 we ever go back and look at like what his second half of the race split was? Or basically from Columbine to the end, because I, w- I wonder if he he like blitzed the course record time for like that segment. I think I think he had the fastest ever time from the last aid station, uh, which is before power line to the end. Okay, that makes sense. You know what I mean the 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 aid station before power line, which means yeah. like the last I don't know uh, what thirty miles of the course. Uh yeah, I heard I heard. Yeah, there, I think there, there was a think, there was a hot take on the Trainer Road podcast that uh, Keegan maybe was considering riding a gravel bike at Leadville. Mm, wow. Well, him and I both not a gravel bike, but <laughs> drop our mountain bike <laughs> with Maxis Refuse on as well. <laughs> I don't think that oh, man. I don't. I don't think that. In, so well, his the, his Santa Cruz Stigmata, he could fit mountain bike tires in. And he could also, I guess, run a gravel fork, which I think that would actually be a pretty good bike for that race, probably. Um, I don't think gravel tires at Leadville is a good idea. No. I mean, I, I've ridden the whole course on, other than Columbine, I've ridden the whole course on a gravel bike. Um, and, like, it's mm-hmm. fine. Like, I was able to ride all of Powerline uh, on gravel tires and gravel gearing, but, uh, like, descending kind of sucked. Like, it, it was definitely not faster. Yeah, yeah. So here's the here's the thing that I'll I'll probably do some testing when I go to Leadville is I want to know how much I'll I'll have I've got my drop bar mountain bike and I've got my normal mountain bike with normal normie bars um, and I want to see how much slower it is on the power line descent and the Columbine descent um, because I feel like for pretty much the entire rest of the course. Uh, Drop bars are either neutral or an advantage. Are they an advantage only because of like how like how much you can lower your CDA by like being in the drops or like is is your drop bar yeah. mountain bike set up with a, a higher drop than your mountain bike or your flat bar? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's it's more aerodynamic. Um and the drop bar mountain bike currently has a gravel fork on it and no dropper post, but for for Leadville I would put a dropper post and a normal fork on it. Yeah. I don't know. I've never done, I've never done Leadville. It, uh, so I can't, can't tell you what, what, but I'm sure like, you know, again, if, if it's, if it's like a a big old loop, you know, I can't imagine that descending in the drops is going to be that, that 
bad, I guess. I don't know. I don't see. Yeah, I get. I guess cross, coming from like, a site, coming yeah. from cross, yeah, yeah. I uh, they're all- yeah. I mean, in in Columbine, you got to remember too that Col- Columbine, you're somewhat limited by the fact that you're going into traffic. So I mean, you can only go so fast unless you're yeah, you know, rusty. You tell that to Rusty, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think that so. The also the fact that the power line descent comes very early in the race. It's at like mile twenty or something. Like if the power line descent, obviously the power line climb comes late in the race. But if the power, the technical part of the power line descent came at mile eighty, I wouldn't be that concerned about it because probably at that point I'm like with a group of one or two or maybe even alone. So it's like not that it doesn't matter that much. But at that point in the race. There's uh, a quite a f- there's like a flat road section after that, and then it's quite flat after that, leading into Columbine. So drafting matters a lot. If you were to lose a fast group of riders, then and not and be by yourself on that ro- on that road afterwards because you had drop bars, you know, having the flat bars would have been the faster option because you would have been with the the fast group of riders, but. You just got to get to the front of the fast group of riders before the descent. Yeah, sound that hard, <laughs> dude. The pro like the problem is though it's not it's not single yeah, it's, it's not single track. It's wide. Like there's plenty of passing. So if you're riding like a if you're riding like a yeah. Jerry man, they can just they can just blitz right by you. That's why you got to swing all over the road, man. You just got to yeah. like you got to pull a Kendall Ryan and just chop everybody. <laughs> yeah, or pull a uh, who's uh, Matthew Vanderpool's teammate that like deviated from his line pretty severely at the tour dude he didn't deviate (laughs) at all he didn't deviate at all in that sprint he just used the barriers to his advantage that's called being crafty is that he didn't that's the guy won two stages yeah 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 phillips Philipson. something like that dude that was the most mad that i've ever seen wow after a race (laughs) (laughs) wasn't he like throwing his bike and shit no he wasn't throwing his bike he threw his bottle on the ground no, he did. Apparently, he threw his bike, or I heard that okay. he threw his bike back at the uh, at the tent, or at the no, oh the, wow, at the team bus. So, not only that's what I heard. Not yeah. only did he like punch the air, then shortly after that, grab his bottle and throw it, and then get back to the uh, get back to the bus and throw his bike as well. So, yeah, it's a lot of throwing of things. He was he probably threw his bike to compensate for the fact that he punched the air, and he realized like that was such a like a loser move to do. <laughs> yeah it's like gosh i'm such an idiot i punched the air like what did that do yeah need to to break something um yeah i don't know i don't i don't even really know what there was to be mad about to be honest with you um i guess just the fact that phillipson boxed him in uh i think he the stage that he was mad about was uh the stage before that where victor lefay launched with like 1k to go and uh as a result oh that's right yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. he like he basically could have used his gc leader Jonas, to do a poll but Jonas just was probably thinking rightfully so about himself he's just trying to make it without any time gaps and mm-hmm. um wout needed one more person to pull to try to pull lefay back didn't get it came second yeah i'm gonna be i'm gonna be honest getting really pissed about somebody who had a really crafty move at the end of a race is probably the worst reason to be pissed at the end of a race (laughs) yeah i mean i I get it i like i get it i've been 
you know, I've been there this year at Croatan. The exact same thing happened to me. But like, dude, you gotta like you gotta give that dude props. Like he's not he's that dude's probably such an underdog, right? Like not expected to win a stage, and then he just kind of like pulls like a last minute maneuver. Yeah, I think he I think Lefay, the guy that won, even said like, you know, he knew that the he knew that the teams were gonna be diminished, right? at that point because mm-hmm. you know each maybe uh, all the top sprinters had one one or two guys maybe in that group you know um wow less so because uh you know Jonas wasn't didn't do any pulls for him so you know it's smart smart racing you can't be can't be totally mad but i think you know when you have a guy like wout who's might have a kid sometime between now and world championships and could leave the tour at any day i think his his desire to win at least one stage before he potentially leaves uh oh i didn't there i didn't even realize that he was gonna have a kid yeah yeah so it's you know he's not he's allegedly not going for the green jersey which is evidenced by him currently being in the break uh on this Mm -hmm. mountain stage so he's just uh just there to kind of help out and you know i'm sure are you are you watching it right now i am i mean no i'm totally (laughs) dedicated to this (laughs) podcast Dude, him and his wife need to do some better family planning. What the heck, man? You're <laughs> having your baby during the Tour de France? What? Yeah. yeah, they should have timed that out. December kids only. Actually, no, because then it's cross season. So, yeah, they really got a smaller window then. No, they need, like, Wout needs to have a, uh, uh, like, a February kid. That's Worlds, man. All right, March? And then, and then it's right into <laughs> classic season. <laughs> Just really no more kids, I guess, for a while. Okay, but come on, Tour de France, like that's when you're going to have your kid? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, why don't, you, uh, why don't you write to Sarah and do that? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I say this to people who like, you know, I'm, I'm at that age where a lot of my friends are getting married. And man, when people schedule their wedding like in the middle of race season and their wedding is like right at, like right at the same time as an important race. I'm like, what are you like? What are you doing? Like, ha- you know, half our friends are cyclists. Do you not watch the lifetime Grand Prix? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just send yeah. them a, just send them a nice gift, you know, just, uh, make up for your, your lack of presence. I'll, I'll send them a toaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> send them your finisher medal from Croatan buck 50. <laughs> I got fourth. They didn't give me a medal. This is why I wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Should we get the listener questions? Can you guys hear the lawnmower in the background? No, No, you're good. Okay. Somebody somebody mowing their lawn. Um, Yeah, dude, like, what the heck? Do they not know him? You got Theo Theo out there putting him to work? (laughs) Yeah. Heck yeah, man! We got to put him to work. He's like already two by now. He's like, yeah, he should be making some money. Yeah, Um, yeah. Let's hit some listener questions because we got like forty. Forty. Wow. Rapid. Rapid fire these. That's like not even including the email. I haven't. I'm just gonna go from oldest to to newest. Okay. So if you sent in a if you sent in a question and it doesn't get read this week, I'm sorry. It's because we're reading from three weeks ago. (laughs) All right. Let's hit them. Okay, so uh, this one comes from Ben. He says, podcast topic, BWR races have way better live coverage during races than the Lifetime Grand Prix. What gives? 
You mean like with the you mean like with the Instagram stories that they have? Yeah, I think they. So yeah, I'm guessing. I think that they just put. I mean, that's all that Lifetime has too. So well, maybe. So what I'll say about BWR races is that uh, there's a truck and a motos following the lead group the whole time and also the truck will give you bottles if you're in the lead group and then if you're not in the lead group it's like well (laughs) screw you you don't get bottles anymore um but the and then you know they're filming from the truck like the whole race and uh it's part it's also part of the reason why like the last youtube video that i made about bwr north carolina there was so much great footage like i you barely even saw my face in that video because i was using so much race footage which is probably a good thing. So here's um, here's a question: Are the BWR series all organized by the same the same person? Right. Like so. To mm-hmm. clarify, Lifetime is a bunch of different events with different promoters that are yeah. just looped under this series. But BWR, as I understand it, is the same promoter. Yeah, it's all uh, Michael Marks. Okay. So, I mean, I think. Um, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I you know that's that might be part of the reason. But what I was going to say is that sometimes, sometimes the truck is pulling. So just like as an example, I I do remember at BWR, uh, North Carolina, like we were going down, downhill on the road, which means that we're going pretty fast. And the truck was in front of us at this point. So the truck has to go very fast. And I was like worried that the truck was going to crash because it was taking these corners so hot. (laughs) Yeah, probably not um, safe. <laughs> Ill-advised. <laughs> but I mean, nothing happened. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. They just they they've got a truck following us for the whole race, which is probably why the stories are so good. Um, well, you know. and, you, and when you have one promoter that, and I I feel like just listening to Amanda Nauman's podcast, they have a media team that is at all the events that that basically is there to document the race and to put it out there Mm -hmm. and so as a result you have a consistent team across everything which i'm sure lifetime has their social media team but it's not you know again having that consistency from race to race is what i think makes the difference between bwr and and some of these lifetime events um having the same people and the same promoters and you know you're not having to they know that there's going to be a vehicle and a moto it's not like Mm -hmm. they have to or try to organize that from from the local community yeah. All right. Next question. Uh, so the next question is kind of related. Since from Robert, he says, "I listened to your last episode about Unbound." He says, "For your information, the world's largest ski race, Vas- Vasa Lopit, is live covered, as well as their summer edition mountain bike race." So I think he was just kind of getting at the the whole live coverage thing. So mm-hmm. pretty related. Um, and we've talked about like there, there's a way to do it. It just costs a lot of money. So. Um, I just don't think they, they had it in the budget for this year. Which is surprising. Uh, okay, this next one comes, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We don't have to get into it too much more. It's not it's not our budget to, to work around, but um, it is disappointing. Uh, this next one comes from Charles. He says, hey, bros, loaded question. Firstly, I finished my first ever gravel race this weekend by doing the waffle race at BWR North Carolina. Shout out Dylan for second place and for talking with me after the race while you waited for your girlfriend to finish. First part, did you bike the whole first climb after mile 11? Because that sucks and I had to hike my bike for that portion. Also, 
How do I keep my hands from falling off with the washboards in turns? I probably need Rule 28 Aero Gloves. <laughs> Lastly, why aren't there teams in major gravel races where there is like a GC rider on the team and the six guys just pull and block win for that one rider to go for the win? Would that ruin gravel? Uh, thanks, Charles. Dude, I got to wow. believe. Many questions. I, I got to believe. I'll answer the, non, the question is not related to Dylan. Uh, I got to believe that gravel teams are coming. Like, I feel like it's only a matter of time. I, yeah, I think, I think so. Full on and, 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 style. and believe me when gravel teams come and they start using gravel, like road tactics and gravel races, there's going to be a lot of whining about the spirit of gravel for <laughs> sure. I mean, anytime, anytime anything changes about gravel, there is. So, uh, you can definitely look forward to that. I think, yeah. So I agree. I think they're coming. They're just not here yet. Um, and I, and that's not to say that it hasn't been tried. There, there. I've been in gravel races where there's a little bit of team tactics going on, um, but it's not super organized, and it's also not like six riders. It's usually like two or three. How many like actual teams are there right now in gravel? Because th- there are a handful. Yeah, well, there. I think that th- th- that Mazda Lauf team is probably the biggest one. Um, and then I don't know. You could debate about whether Jukebox is a team or not. And after yeah. that, like specialized as technically yeah, a team. Yeah. I mean, specialized, obviously. Um, and I mean, team tactics is part of what got Finsty a top 10 at unbound this year, right? With, uh, Grotz giving him his wheel. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it seemed, but it seems like that's more so what the team, like the team advantage is, is like having other teammates there to like, support you if you have a mechanical or something like like an issue we haven't seen a ton of like protecting a rider Mm -hmm. to try and get them into like position or you know conserving energy or things like that or like sending attacks to try and break up the group or anything like that like we haven't seen as much of team tactics play a role as as we have with like yeah just like offering a helping hand yeah so gravel is is kind of a halfway point between road cycling and mountain biking right and in mountain biking i mean there can be a little bit of tactics but for the most part it's not it's not very tactical and road can be extremely tactical so i think that probably what you're going to end up seeing is that gravel is like a midway point it's it's not as tactical as road it's not as not tactical as mountain biking it's it's probably going to end up being somewhere in the middle all all it's going to take is one team if if one team can come together and build a strong enough team that they can like start taking down the Keegans and the mm-hmm. Finsties and Alexis and stuff like that, like that's all it's going to take. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, like jukebox, you guys could do that. Like maybe, I mean, yeah. maybe you need a little more firepower. But like if you guys work together, like Bring in that could be a, a, a dizzle. you know, a, a potentially winning combination. Guys, yeah, I mean, dizzle, yeah, throw a dizzle on your team. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how much help I would be, but Adam Roberge and Alexi uh, doing one-two punches to uh, Keegan. I mean, that could definitely disrupt things. So, yeah, yeah. Great Adam, team. Adam, and I, Adam Roberge and I were not doing team tactics at all at BWR North Carolina. We were straight up trying to beat each other. Like he he dropped us on a climb, and then or I I dropped. I, I dropped him in the. I dropped all the riders in the single in one single track section. 
him and Finn Gullickson pulled me back. He dropped Finn and I up a climb. Me and Finn pulled him back. And then we were just like looking at each other for this at, for the sprint finish. Like we weren't, if we were a little bit smarter about it, we still had Finn with us. So probably what we would have done is one rider would attack and then we would have made Finn pull. But we were just like, we were just trying to beat each other. And in the end it worked out because we did end up getting first and second and Finn got third, but. Did you throw your bottle after the finish um, line and punch the air? Yeah, I was pissed, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what were the other parts of this question? Uh, okay, so his other question was, did you ride the climb at mile 11? I did. There was no part of the race that I hiked. <laughs> wow, what a guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think your aero gloves help keep your hands safe or, or your oh company. like the washboards um i mean as much as any other glove i guess so here's what i can't tell if he's saying like if it, i can't tell if his hands were like hurting him because he says how do i keep my hands from falling off with the washboards in the turns so i don't know if he's saying like his hands were slipping off of his bars mm. or if like his hands were just like you know beat to shreds yeah uh probably i mean i you know i've been there in a gravel race where i haven't worn gloves and my hands are wrecked um yeah i don't know just you i mean you can get the rule 28 gloves if you want to be more aero but honestly for the problem that you're talking about here any pair of gloves will probably do i mean you can also just look for a generally like the outside line is likely better obviously that's do that at your own risk right do it safely but I always find that like the braking, mm-hmm. I'll call them braking bumps or washboard. It's generally on the inside where cars have consistently are on the brakes. So if you find that smooth line or try to look for the smaller bumps ahead, you can avoid that issue. No gloves required. Yeah. Or, or just, um, you know, run the old suspension fork. <laughs> yeah. Drop our mountain bike. Suspension fork, wider tires. Yeah. Grow some calluses. Yeah. I mean, if, mountain biking is the spirit of gravel after all. <laughs> all right next question um okay wow we got a big old rapid fire question from our homie playing bikes i still don't know what this dude's name is it's like his instagram is just playing bikes hmm. so that's what i call him but like that's not a real name it's like i don't know what else to call him he doesn't want to be called says, out all right dude. rapid fire <laughs> yeah uh have you thought about using chat gpt to write coaching plans for athletes hmm. I have a friend that you know what, this for no. himself. <laughs> you know what I have thought about doing is doing a video, uh, and the title would be something like, is AI going to replace your cycling coach or something? Uh, and essentially the video would be me, you know, typing in various uh, scenarios into chat GPT to see if it could write a better training plan than I could. Um, and I've, I've done that and I've seen, I've, you know, I've tried to see, and, and some of, some of what chat GPT spits out, I think makes sense. Some of what chat GPT spits out, I think doesn't make sense. So that would, that would essentially be the video. I just haven't gotten around to making it yet. Hmm. I, I, to be honest, I, I don't know that I know what chat GPT is, but I have zero experience using it. So I didn't even know that that was a thing you could do. Like, dude, you can do have it, it spit out. You can do anything with chat wild. GPT, man. Yeah. Maybe it could teach you how to sprint. Well, you should ask it which bike is faster at Leadville. <laughs> yeah, we should yeah, actually. Dude. What the heck? Well, here's the th- here's the thing. ChatGPT is going to tell Chat you DJ. that. It- 
ChatGPT is going to tell you that the fastest bike at Leadville is a like probably a hardtail mountain bike with normal bars road bike <laughs> because because it's like it's not it doesn't actually know what the right answer is it's just it correct me if i'm wrong but it's just taking uh like it's scanning the the internet for the correct answer so it's like based off of what people on the internet think the right answer is dude we should create our own ai that's like chat bb and you just ask us and the answer is always like wider tires 47 mil <laughs> pathfinders dude we should just we should just <laughs> we should just have one you know those like that those buttons that you press and it it talks to you we should have one that's like uh, a phone bo- like a siri like what are you talking <laughs> like about siri no i mean like literally like a giant plastic button and it says stuff uh, <laughs> like they have it they ball. <laughs> No, we should have a Blanc Bros edition one, and you ask it questions, and then you press the button, and it's just like wider tires. <laughs> just Scott, just Scott's voice. Yeah, no, that's yeah. stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. All right, th- th- this is supposed to be <laughs> rapid fire. We got like twelve of these to get through. All right, let's All right, go. We'll rapid go fire. Um, what's your take on the Netflix special Unchained? I don't even know what that is. Is that the tour? That's the Netflix docu-series the on the tour. tour. Uh, good, not for the people. And if you're really into cycling, you got to just watch it for the drama. It's not, uh, you're not going to learn anything. I'm going to be honest. I have not watched it. Um, I do watch Netflix, but the only time I watch Netflix is when I'm like chilling with my girlfriend at like, you know, an hour before bedtime. And usually... We're watching something. Dude, Dylan, this is not the kind of podcast where we talk about Netflix and showing. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's a family-friendly podcast. Uh, so, but usually we are not watching cycling-related things at that point. Okay, again, family-friendly. So, so <laughs> Tyler, let me ask you this: So, you've 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 watched <laughs> you <laughs> you've watched Drive to Survive, Full Swing. You, I think you watched the tennis one, like. Is it pretty similar? Like, is the like is the yeah. is the like the format? Like yeah, the same? it's pretty similar. I, I I gotta admit, I only watched like two episodes of Full Swing. I only watched a little bit of the tennis one, um, and and they're all just designed around like introducing the characters of the races and and giving you a little bit of insight into who they are as people outside of the races um, or outside of the competition, uh, and then you get to kind of understand them better you get a little bit of a profile so you know who Jonas Vingegaard is you know who Wout van Aert is you know I'm trying to think who Thibaut Pino. like you have these characters and you and and the teams a little bit and you start to understand them better so again it's like if you if you're a hardcore cycling fan if you're watching the tour year in year out and all the races leading up to it like with Unchained you're not going to there's no spoilers right maybe you learn a little bit of something because they have radio from the mm-hmm. car but I mean, you're not going to like, it's, it's really aimed at the person who has maybe seen the tour when they're, you know, they're flicking through the channels on the weekend in July, but it's really aimed at like yeah. getting, getting those people from being casual fans to more invested in cycling, um, and more interested in, in, in the racing mm-hmm. at large. So that's what I would say about it. Again, like you can if you were a hardcore F1 fan and you started watching Drive to Survive, you'd be like, oh, this is stupid. Like, but how many people, specifically in the U.S., got into Formula One after watching Drive to Survive? Like, I raised my hand because I'm included in that population. Right. 
Adam would probably learn something considering how little he follows road cycling. <laughs> Did you guys know that they have cars yeah, with my, bikes on them? <laughs> the the only the only thing that I like the only way that I get content about the tour and I actually enjoy it is I listen to Lance's the move podcast like every day. Mm. You should yeah, uh, during the tour they cover like every stage, right? It. Uh, I would if if yeah. for people out there looking for tour analysis, I cannot or any bike race analysis. The Lantern Rouge is one that's like those guys are so good. If we could just get mm. them into analyzing, well, it'd be boring analyzing American gravel racing, but really good tactics talk and good understanding of the teams. But those guys, isn't it just one guy? Yeah, I have listened to that one. It's two of them, two guys. Oh, you mean the podcast? Yeah, I, I was guys. thinking about the YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, do you think that the participation numbers at Gravel Nats will be bigger than mountain bike Nats? Yes, absolutely. Mm, no. Pro- probably. Not for not for the junior categories. The junior categories at Mountain Bike Nationals are, uh, they're really getting up there because, you know, um, you know, Nike is obviously a huge thing. And I think that last year at Mountain Bike Nationals, uh, the biggest category was, I think, maybe the the junior 16 to 18 category or something. I could be wrong. I wasn't actually there, but the junior categories are blowing up. And then, and then like the elite category was like, I don't know, 20 something or 30 something dudes. So yes, I think gravel nationals will be more attended than mountain bike nationals this year. It's my prediction. Uh, Okay. Do you think there are a lot of gravel pros that have let their USAC licenses lapse? Yes. And if so, will gravel Nats be a driver for them to come back to USAC racing? Also, yes. Also, no. <laughs> I'm thinking about, dude, I let my... I, I think what he means, I think, yeah, I think I think what he or she, I guess I don't even know who this person is. I guess what they mean is, uh, like, will the, will will some of the gravel pros go back to racing USAC after gravel nets? Oh, no. Abs- or, like, are, gravel nets be no, the only no, USAC no, race no, they no, do? No, 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 no. Yeah, no. Definitely not. Uh, yeah, I agree. A hundred percent no. It will not be the They case. might buy a license just to do gravel nationals, um, which I'm thinking about doing. I mean, I, I've let my USAC license lapse for like three years now. Um, but I am thinking about doing gravel nationals. I haven't decided yet though. Do you know do you need a use do you need a UCI license to do gravel nets? Oof, I don't know. That would suck. It's a lot of money for one race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like two hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, I honestly don't know. But yeah, if the question is, um, okay, if the so question is, will uh, will pros? <laughs> if the question is, will pros okay. do more USA cycling races because they got a license for gravel nationals? The answer is absolutely one hundred percent no. It's like not even a question. Gravel pros yeah, are. I agree. S- gravel pros are so not into U- uh, USA cycling races. I mean, they'll do the nationals for the jersey, but. I mean, what are the USAC races would they do? Like, they'd have to be, it it wouldn't be gravel. It'd be like road racing or mountain bike racing. Yeah, I don't don't, know. I don't think there are USAC-sanctioned gravel racing. I mean, I think that USAC probably is trying to make that a thing. Um, Like, you'll probably see them trying to make that a thing in the coming years, but I I don't think it's going to take off. I think people are just, you know, Like, technically, like, I've kept my USAC license only because... Our local series that we put on, we run through USAC, and the only reason is because they offer like a really seamless way to offer uh, like a- event insurance, mm-hmm. and like the the payment processing and you know like like 
it's pretty easy to put on a race through USAC. So, like that's the only reason we use them as a platform. But otherwise, like if we could, we we would just eliminate USAC from the equation, and then that eliminates the need for licenses. Yep. And we've talked about it because like the license thing is a barrier. All right. Two more questions. Uh, do we lose Tyler? No, I'm here. You just can't see his beautiful face. Oh. Connectivity on okay. Eastern time is poor. Um, was Dylan faster when he was racing on Niner? <laughs> uh, do we want a joke answer? Or do we want to answer this question objectively? <laughs> I mean, I've been, it's, it's I've been, question, <laughs> I've been faster. Like since I've started cycling, uh, maybe with like one or two, two exceptions, I've been faster every single year. Like my, my power output has been better every single year that I've been cycling since, since I started cycling. So I am faster. Object- so the answer is no. It's rapid fire. <laughs> Just say no. Well, I, I think that's what I was getting to is the answer is yes. I, I, wait, is no meaning I wasn't faster on Niner or Correct. no meaning? Yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah. No. It says, the question is, was Dylan faster when he was on Niner? Okay, so I was getting better results when I was on Niner because <laughs> I was, <laughs> this is not rapid fire. I was getting better results when I was on Niner because if it was a gravel race, that was before gravel blew up. And if it was a mountain bike race, I was doing the NUE series, which is not nearly as competitive as the Lifetime Grand Prix, obviously. Okay, so no. Okay. <laughs> Are there any U.S. road pros that will come out of the woodwork to try their luck at the new national gravel national title? Uh, yeah, yes. yeah, probably because there's a lot of money on the line too. So I would say yes. Have you raced the foundational event for gravel nationals, Robidou Rendezvous? No, I don't even know what that is. Road racing <laughs> in Nebraska, <laughs> Western Nebraska. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's just a gravel race in Nebraska that they're turning into nets. Um, okay, so he says, the, he or she or they, the last one, they say, obviously I like to troll people politely, like a good heckle at a cross race. Mm. Who should be my next troll victim? <sighs> Keegan, man, we got to get under that dude's skin. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think it'd be fun. I I don't know how funny that would be though. I I want to. I'm trying to think of somebody funnier to troll. Like, um, it would be funny to do someone who would who would like take it as a joke afterwards. Like, I don't see Keegan joking about too many things. I mean, I think Keegan probably jokes about a lot of things when he's like in his small circle of friends. You know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is this the is this the dude who is trying to uh, asking us how to troll Carrie like a couple episodes back? Like, what's the best way to troll yeah. Carrie? Yeah. Wow, man, this guy's all about trolling. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe does we'll this, think about it and get back to you. Does Does this person know Dizzle? <laughs> and are they Dude, going to any races that oh. Dizzle will be at? <laughs> Dude, maybe maybe this is the person who 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 is our our lawyer. <laughs> Yeah, probably, dude. That, that was kind this, of oh, dude. You Dizzle Dizzle was kind of freaking out about that. Look, whoever this is, this is definitely our lawyer for sure. The definitely the person that sent us that email. <laughs> we figured you out, bro. We figured you out. Who is this? Do they have a name? Wow. No. <laughs> playing bikes. That's all we know. Playing and bikes. Bonk Bros playing, legal team. Playing bikes is our lawyer. Okay. Cool. <laughs> um very reputable in case you didn't know (laughs) okay so next one here 
this one's from Liz. So Liz posted, she, she, Liz posted, or no, Liz replied to our post about you getting top 20 at Unbound. And she replied with proud mom clapping hands. Dude, and then we talked, talked about it on the show and I was like, oh, you're, I know. So, so oh, she, yeah. she wrote back and said, to clarify, I am a mom who is proud of DJ's Unbound post mud redemption ride. I am not his mom. <laughs> mm. I just thought that was well, funny. Well, that's awesome. Thanks, Liz. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, then someone sent in, this is from Mike D, someone sent in your doppelganger in S- South American like modeling expo or something. Mm. It's, a, it's a video that looks uh, someone who <sighs> yeah, my, looks just like you. That looks like me? A Colombian ad. You're saying that looks like me or that looks like somebody else on this podcast? You, yeah, Dylan, you're you're a doppelganger. There's mm. other people on this podcast. Yeah, I mean, you know, my my, <laughs> I mean, my doppelganger probably would be a model. That makes sense for sure. <laughs> hmm. Okay, next one. This one's from Zach. He says, uh, "Curious why y'all haven't talked about Remco Evenpool's arrow skin. If Dylan had Remco's skin, would he ride Unbound naked?" I think it would be cool to hear everyone's answer on this. I I don't I don't know what, what he's talking he, about. Did he go to the air the wind tunnel and measure his skin? Tyler, do you know anything about this? Uh, that dude's just like super aero, really fast. Yeah, I, I mean, I know he's very aero, but is there is there something about his skin that's more aero? Dude, it must just be like the Belgian exfoliant that he uses, or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Should bottle that stuff. Um, up. Or maybe it's the opposite, right? Because because it, it, it maybe he has like um like bad acne all over his whole body. Well, oh, that's dude, also like me nipples. though. <laughs> so his skin is really textured. Oh, dude, that's probably it. That's but that's also me though. So like yeah. uh you know I could I could ride I could ride with no jersey on and my back would be very aerodynamic. Dude, you could try it. <laughs> so maybe you should stop taking your acne medicine. Uh, yeah, I don't take it anymore actually. You could uh you could go full Lionel Sanders mm. and just like ride in like just shorts, you know, just some tri shorts. Yeah. Yeah. Just a speedo. You know you know that certain you know that certain acne medicines are uh on the banned substance list for some reason? Um I think it's because they are used as masking agents for actual banned substance. That's a good thing you're not tested by WADA and gravel. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Tyler, it looks like you're like going to a rave or something. Like the lights are off, you got like huge headphones on, and your microphone has like the brightest light I've ever seen. Yeah, dude, for a microphone. I'm, me and I'm you see the, that? the next iteration of JPow. I'm just moving closer to better inter- internet signal. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's keep going here. We got a bunch more. Oh, this one's a doozy. Uh, dear Bonk Bros. Bonk Brothers, sorry. I have a question for your weekly gravel tire segment. This one's a combined aero question as well. Oh, boy. So as Dylan likes to tell us, bigger volume is faster usually. Mm-hmm. One of the downsides is a loss of aero, though. My question is whether it would be feasible to just run a bigger tire on a 650B wheel. You'd get the extra volume, but at the same time, the frontal area of the wheel would be equivalent or less to a 700C with a skinnier tire. I've looked around for research on this, but nobody has really looked into it. There's plenty of stuff about 650B not rolling as fast because of the angle of attack it has when going over in obstacles like roots, etc. Fair enough for mountain bike, but it seems fairly irrelevant uh, in typical gravel terrain. 
Mm. Anyway, do, what do you guys reckon? Hope all that makes sense. Love the show, guys. Paul. Um, I would um, s- Paul, yeah, <laughs> Paul, I'm not going to lie. I have no idea on any of that. Um, this is a fairly nerdy question. I would say that the angle of attack does matter for gravel uh, because you're going over bumps and although the bumps are smaller than in mountain biking there's still bumps so the angle of attack i think does matter and um in t- i guess the frontal area would be a little would be a little bit smaller um but a lot of what makes the wide yeah, what i don't know is like like the frontal area is like if you um like if you transpose it onto like a 2d plane the frontal mm-hmm. area would technically be a little smaller because the the height of the wheel but i don't know how much like like the rounded profile like yeah so that sets that you know that's so what like, i was going to get at i mean a lot of the reason why wide tires get increasingly less aerodynamic part of the reason is the frontal area but the other part of the reason is because they don't play very well with aerodynamic rims so the wider the tire gets like the worse you know you're getting less aerodynamic benefit from your supposed aero rims. If that is what you're running. Um, and having a 650 B wheel would not help that at all. So, and I would, I would almost venture to guess that the, what you're going to be losing from the, cause I, I think that a 700 C wheel is going to be, have better rolling resistance because of the angle of attack thing. And I would, I would almost just venture a guess right now that that is going to be a greater detriment than the slight reduction in frontal area that you're going to get from having 650B wheels. Yeah. Yeah, I've only ridden 650B one time uh, on a gravel bike, and it felt terrible too. So there's that. <laughs> Dude, I, uh, I was on... Like I was on Giant for one year before I was on Niner, and it was uh, back when Giant was like really pushing 650B hard for mountain biking. Like every mountain bike they made was 650B. They did. They stopped making 26, and they stopped mm. making 29. I remember that. Um, and while I was on it, like I tried to convince myself that it was faster, but then I got on Niner next year, which obviously is 29 inch wheels. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so much better. I'm so happy. I'm back on a 29er. Yeah. Um, okay. Moving on. So this one's from Isaac. We'll do like a couple more here and then we'll shut it down. Wait, what is that? Tyler? Oh, I got a bounce at in a couple minutes. So let's wrap. Let's go. Okay. All right. Uh, Hey dudes, two things for an upcoming episode. This one's from Isaac. Uh, first back to unbound and surprise y'all didn't talk about rusty getting a wheel swap, but maybe you didn't know well, about it at the time of the recap episode. I did not know about, about it, it at the time. We talked about it. Yeah. So there you go. We, we went there. back to it. We um, answered second, your question today for Adam. Let's hear about, <laughs> yeah. Uh, for Adam, let's hear about pine Island. Sounds like a bit like, sounds a bit like unbound with some crazy weather and muddy and challenging conditions. Uh, keep up the good work, Isaac. Um, yeah, so I did Pine Island gravel grinder like about a month ago. Um, mm-hmm. and it was, it was crazy challenging conditions. It was like, it rained the whole time and it was like 50 degrees and Oof. it was super muddy. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty wicked. It was, it was so like rainy and cold that at one point I considered like just quitting cause I was like so cold. I couldn't like feel any part of my body anymore. Um, but I didn't quit, and then I ended up winning. So wow. good thing I didn't quit. Nice. 
That's the. But it was wor- crazy. It was it was wild. Yeah, dude, raining and I mean, fifty degrees isn't the worst temperature, but raining and cold is like the worst possible conditions to ride in. Um, for sure. Yeah, real. I was the only, weather. literally, the only person to start the race. I, I I started the race with warmers, like leg warmers and arm warmers, mm-hmm. um, and I I'm like so glad I did because like at one point I stopped to put a jacket on. I was I was that cold. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, luckily too, the, the night before I put a different fork on my gravel bike. So it had more tire clearance. Mm. Um, and that was the only way that my bike didn't clog up. Cause I had like an extra, f- I don't know, eight mil of tire clearance. So that was a huge factor. Nice. Uh, okay. GPT. Tyler, you got a bounce though. No, I got one more in me, but chat GPT wouldn't have told you all that stuff. So hire Adam as your coach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Agreed. Um, okay, so we'll do one more. So this one is comes from, oh, he tells us his name, Jason. That's not his IG name, but I won't give that away. Uh, hey, guys, Jason here from New Jersey. So I recently left a snarky comment for Dylan following his epic result at BWR and immediately hoped my sarcasm came across on Instagram. I don't know what that comment was. Anyway, I do have a question or maybe potential experiments. <laughs> After seeing the pictures of Dylan washing his bike in a river at Unbound, I started wondering if ceramic coating your frame or other key components of the bike might help shed mud or keep it from sticking in the first place. It become it, It's become very popular in the car scene, and, I, and it's supposed to help keep a car clean and stop mud, dirt, sap from adhering. Mm-hmm. Might be a small improvement that could be worth trying. Yeah, mm-hmm. so after... How heavy would that be? Uh... I don't know, but after Unbound, a lot of there were a lot of people that reached out to me and was like, "Hey, you should have used this product that apparently like motocross racers use that keeps mud from sticking to their bikes." Um, I didn't use a like fancy. Pam? I used Pam. That's what I used. So I will tell you right now that I put I sprayed Pam on my frame before the race to try to keep the mud from sticking in it, and uh, it helped for about maybe twenty seconds. <laughs> Um, now I don't know. Now I don't know if there's something that works better. Hashtag worth it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there's something that works better than Pam. I'm sure there is. I mean, like there's gotta be right. So I'm all ears to hearing about what that better product is that, that magically no mud will stick to your frame. Uh, and I'll probably have some in my toolbox. Before yeah. So, next so I now. don't know. I don't know like how Pam works when it dries. Um, like when Pam is wet, mm-hmm. it, it's like super lubricious, but once it dries, I, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. Uh, I know Muckoff makes a product that's like a silicone lubricant that you can mm-hmm. spray on all of your stuff. And that like once it dries, like it's still like super slippery. So maybe that would have been a better option, but it's also probably 10 times the cost. So I don't, I don't know if that's a factor at all, but yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, the Pam thing didn't really help. So I don't, you know. But because uh, you got to use something that's not going to break down too once it starts to get wet or you know it's not going to tear off easily. So I, I I just don't know about Pam. Like I, I've heard people using Pam, but I I kind of saw that as a joke. Like I I I've only ever felt like it would be like a marginal improvement. Got to go full XC mountain biking and put that duct tape on your down tube. That rippled duct tape. So do they? Yeah, do they do that because they can like rip that. rip it off mid race and then. And I don't then, know that anybody's reaching down to rip off. No, it's duct tape. it's like the mud will like hit it and like it like 
it like deflects off of it. So instead of like hitting something firm and just like splattering, it'll like hit the duct tape and then it kind of like acts as like a shield. Really? Like a, but a, it's like a, a, a flexible shield. Like it hits it and it kind of just like, it's like I don't a, know, it doesn't mud stick flap. to anything. So it like just bounces through it. Yeah. It's just like a mud flap mm-hmm. for your bike where it just falls mm-hmm. off. I didn't see anyone do that at unbound, but I imagine that would not work, work well either. <laughs> Watch me come flying past you. Tyler, how about you? I mean, like, did you ever do anything for cyclocross? Like, obviously, I know you're getting a new bike every half lap or every lap, but yeah. would you ever do anything, like, at the starter races? Yeah, I mean, you, you try the PAM thing a little bit. You try some, like, some type of, like, silicon spray. Uh, like, I have some that I'll put on, like, my fork. I think it's, like, SC1 or something like that um, that I've I've heard what people will use. Um, and it, you know, it, it works a little bit. Uh, but again, like if that stuff washes off or something like that, then it's it's a basically of no use. So, I mean, you could use a little bit of silicon spray. I mean, crosses. Yeah. Obviously, you're getting a new bike every every half lap if it's super muddy. But um, and at that point, it's just like good luck. So you know what I think? I was thinking about this. You know what I think would work decently is if you had a uh, like in one of your water bottle cages, you had like a liter of water like a liter bottle of water and then there's a hose going to the front tire and there's a hose going to the rear tire and the hose and and like maybe you press a button on your handlebars or something (laughs) and the hose is spraying spraying your tires with water while you're going through the mud section because honestly the only thing that helped to keep it wet yeah the only thing that helped get through the mud section was like was moisture like getting some sort of moisture on that mud so if you had if you went through the mud section and you had water Dude, continuously, no, I, I got a solution, man. All you gotta do is hydrate super well before the mud section, and then just whip it out and start peeing Sweet. when you're going through the mud section. <laughs> just hose that thing off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> solved it. All right, I gotta bounce. I'll see you guys. You can also refill your bottles that way too. All right, <laughs> we'll end there. Refill right. your bottles with piss. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. See you All guys. Right, see you, Tyler. See ya. All right. We'll see you, man. Yep. See ya.